hey, hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the mayor, Heath Sheeran, and the host of this podcast. Guys, I'm super pumped you're here hanging out because uh, I've got a friend of mine on here that I just met this year and I uh, really just like his vibe and like what he's got going on. Uh, I met him at an event earlier in the year and I just really uh, wanted to have him on as soon as I could. And so uh, his name is Nick Obi. You, if you're a LinkedIn guy and you're in the insurance industry, you may have seen his videos. You may have seen some of his posts. He does a great job, but I'm going to reference that throughout this, I'm sure. So, but uh, before I get too deep into that, you know, let me let me talk a little bit about my sponsors, and uh, I, I want to start off with my good friends over at Smart Choice, the fastest growing agency network. You know, hands down, uh, and they want to help you as much as they can to be a better agency owner, to be a better producer, to be a better CSR. They're looking for tools and ways to do that all the time. And they'll help you with markets. They'll help you with writing new business. They'll help you with trainings. And they'll, you know, they just got a great team over there that they really want to help you. So go to smartchoiceagents.com and check it out. Uh, they also share their contingencies. They lower premium thresholds. Uh, they do all the cool stuff uh, to help you uh, make more money, be more successful, and win uh, in the game of uh, insurance. And the game of life, for that matter. Also, my friends over at CoverDesk, the premier solution for virtual assistants. And that's the future right now. And it's uh, the now <laughs> right now, if that makes sense. And if you want to expand your team, if you want to grow, if you want to do some of those things, look no further than CoverDesk for virtual assistants. Because they train them, they go through rigorous training to learn our industry, our systems, how we do things. If you just need one uh, virtual assistant or you need a whole team, you know, go to, they have CoverDesk Direct where you can have a whole team to quote your new business or to do a book roll or do special projects, things like that. Check it out, CoverDesk.com. Now, let me get out of the way and uh, I got my man Nick in the waiting room. Uh, let me bring him in and let's have some fun. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Nick Obi. Nick Obi, what's happening, brother? Hey, how you doing, Doug? Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, I am pumped to have you on. Um, so, you know, tell me this, this, I, I got to ask, you know, because the audience can't see. And I know you get this asked a lot. This wood background, fence background, what is this in your house or is this outside? Are you camping? What's going on? Not camping. <laughs> definitely, definitely inside. Uh, this is right now. My wife and I. I'm looking back at it. We are in a cabin, a family cabin that was in her family nice. forever. We're on a lake, about 20 minutes, 50 minutes to a ski mountain, depending which one you go to. Oh, and I come awesome. to the basement, and this dude. Oh, it's been great. And uh, it's got the backlighting. It's got the wood paneling. So this is. I, I don't know when it was built. It's probably built like 60s, 70s. But they picked out everything in the house, and there that's why up here. Just a perfect zoom background. It is a perfect Zoom background. So those who are listening audio only, just fast forward to that part because it sucked. Yeah. But, you know, if I could just paint a picture, I mean, it looks like it's just a perfect like wood panel background, but it's not like that cheesy 70s wood paneling. This looks like a fence or something. I don't know. I, don't, I can't explain it's, it, but it's it's real wood. It's real wood. It's pretty amazing. So, you know, I'm sure you get that a lot when you jump on Zoom calls with people, which is a great opportunity for you to open up doors for conversation. Oh, it's very great. I mean, the one I get a lot too is, are you in a sauna? And I'm like, yeah. if I was in a sauna, I probably wouldn't have the shirt on right now. You know, we'd just be right, hanging. Right. We'd be, yeah. <laughs> we'd be on flex right there. But yeah. uh, anyway, 
So before we just start just gabbing like a bunch of dudes, let's uh, let's talk about you. Let's go take a walk down memory lane. Tell me about your background. Go as far back as you want, and then uh, lead us up to today. Yeah. So the big day for me, like p- pivotal in my insurance career, like deciding your, what I want to do with it. I'm in line at a uh, at a hotel. There's like 75 people in this in this line, and I'm getting checked in, and I'm with my buddy. The dude in front of me is getting screamed at by his wife. Just absolutely screamed at. Like, you know, we can't afford this. We can't afford this. Just let my dad pay. Let my dad pay. And she's like berating him. I'm like, holy shit. Like, what the hell is going on here? And so we kind of figure it out. Husband and wife, young kids, father-in-law is with him. And we're all in line. And like I said, 7,500 people. We were on a flight. We were going back to San Diego, which is where I was working at the time. I was a producer at an independent agency out there. And this is a connecting flight in Vegas. We literally were in Vegas for like 40 minutes, fly to San Diego, circle San Diego over and over. Can't land, too much fog. They take us back you know, to, to Vegas. They say, spend the night, come back in the morning. And um, this is, we're, we're in line for the hotel. We're getting our, our, like literally no money, cheap hotel, whatever. We get our voucher. And that day I had an interview with a uh, firm and agency back home. I was thinking about going back home and I was having a ton of fun in San Diego, but I wasn't selling a lot, wasn't really producing. I was you know, doing a lot more partying, living by the beach, hanging out. Uh, but I was learning a lot about the industry. And even though I'm not selling much, whatever, I'm young. I don't, who cares? I don't know if you know, I'm not necessarily worried about the money. Then we witnessed this lady screaming at her husband. And I'm like, I don't want to be that dude. I never want to be that dude. Like I want to be able to afford a damn hotel. And I'm lucky she wasn't with me that day because I couldn't afford it either. You know, so <laughs> she would have, she would have let me have it. And so it was literally that next day I decided I'm like, I'm committing to this industry. This is an industry I want to be in. I've learned a ton in the 18 months I've been in it, even though I haven't really sold a lot. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to work at this agency. I'm going to get equity in my book. I'm going to just, I'm going to grow. And my whole idea was I just want to be comfortable by the time I'm 30. I was like 22 at the time. I'm like, I just want to grind it out, do whatever it needs to do. I'll have this residual income. Yeah. Uh, I'll have equity in my book. Maybe we turn that into some equity into the, the, the firm, maybe start my own. You know, That was kind of the, th- the process, but I was like, I just want to be comfortable. And so that was a huge day for me deciding like, this is the industry I want to be in. Here's how I'm going to do it. Moved back home. And, um, and then I was there, I was at, at that agency almost 10 years. That's uh, about last, yeah, last fall. So uh, just under 10 years. Wow. So moving back home. Yeah. What, what was that for you? I mean, pretty much started scratch with nothing. I mean, I had some contacts, but, um, you know, growing up, I worked at a country club. I knew, I mean, I knew so, some business guys, but it wasn't like I had this massive Rolodex of like, you know, it, <laughs> but I didn't have this like you know, contact list. I was 24. All my buddies yeah. were like Austin and just out of college and none of them were making insurance decisions. So I just hit the ground, you know, running with, um, cold calling. And that's kind of, that's how I built my book. I love that you said that the cold calling, because First of all, nowadays, not a lot of 23, 24 year olds are out cold calling. They want no. to come into an agency and have leads given to them or take over, you know, a, a seed book or they want, you know, referrals handed to them, whatever it might be. So talk to me about what that looked like for you and how long you had to cold call for you got that pipeline built up. Was that something you were good at, natural at cold calling, or is that something you had to develop and get over the fear of? Tell me about that. So I think it was a mix. I mean, I absolutely loved cold calling. Like, it sounds weird, uh, but what I loved about it was the predictability. Like, I knew if I made 75 cold calls, I could get, okay, I'd probably get one, maybe two appointments. Whereas with networking, which I did a lot of networking, um, I wasn't great at asking for referrals. Uh, but even those things, it was just, what I didn't like about those was that it was unpredictable. It relied on somebody else, you know, to either to have a referral or to, you know, go to this network event and potentially meet somebody where with the cold call, it's like, like, I got this, I can make 75 calls. I can do it an hour and a half. I get a meeting. 
And if I do that for every, you know, five days in a row, on five meetings and we'll be rolling. Um, so that part I liked. It took me a while to figure out the cadence of it, the structure of it. Like in the beginning, I would make, you know, five, whatever it was, two, two to 500 calls in a week. I wouldn't do anything else. But then the next two weeks, I wouldn't make any calls because I had all these meetings. Right. And then I, you know, the fourth week I'd have no meetings. So I'd make a bunch of calls again. So what I learned through that process was like, okay, how do I create kind of the same day every day and create right. this steady flow of like, all right, I'm going to come in, I'm going to you know hammer 40 calls and then I'm going to go about my day. So I can keep that consistent, that consistent meeting flow. Yeah. I think that's huge because what you talk about there, and that's one of the things that, that I talk about a lot as well is that consistency and having those numbers. And you can always rely on those because numbers never lie. And right. so I started out with my dad, uh, 20, I don't know how many years ago, I'm old, but <laughs> you know, and dad would tell me, son, if you'll go out and this was door knocking, not phone calling. When yeah. I say cold call, that was door knocking. Um, and it was, he was like, if you'll do 20 a day, don't stop till you hit at least 20 drop-ins, then you're going to get at least one or two appointments guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And so I just went out and did that every single day. And like you said, you know, there's some weeks that you couldn't because you'd be setting appointments, but you know, it was a, it was a numbers thing for me and I knew, and then over time, you know, my numbers got a little better and my close and connect ratios got yeah. better. But I could rely on that. And even to this day now, I use some of those same numbers when I'm talking to people, you know, if you'll make right. 20 calls, if you'll make 40 calls, like you said, two or 300 a week, whatever that might be, you knew what your numbers could be because there's always that law of averages, it's law of numbers. And it's just something that, doesn't take a lot of skills necessarily. I mean, you just get out and just pound it, just go. Oh, 100%. I think too, something I wasn't great at in the beginning was testing the numbers. Like, okay, hey, my closing percentage is, uh, you know, whatever, 2% on cold calls. And if I need more meetings, maybe I should bump the calls. Like, I was just kind of like, I'll put my head down and work type deal. I wasn't actually like testing some of this stuff. So as you kind of go and you start to realize that now you can, to your point, you can start to tweak and, and play around with these things. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, so you start building these up with, with cold calls. Tell me, you know, do you still, okay, I believe that even to this day today, you know, cold calls, drop-ins are a huge part of prospecting now. You know, a lot of people now want to use social or they want to use referral marketing or they want to use it for that, but I'm still a believer there. Tell me, you still, you know, 10, 15 years later now, are you still in that mindset? Oh, 100%. I mean, I still cold call to, to this day um, you know, with the business I'm doing now. And I, I, with you, I think it's changed. I think it's evolved. Uh, but I also don't think it's dead. I think a lot of people want to tell you it's dead. Sometimes the people that are telling you it's dead is because they don't want to do it. You know, and I was there at one point too in uh, in my career. I'm like, ah, oh, this stuff's dead. It's not working. The truth was, I just didn't want to do it anymore at that point in my career. So yeah, I, good. No, I was just, so I think it definitely plays a part and, and has a purpose in any prospecting strategy. So I've got a, a wide variety of audience I've learned over the last three or four years. And, um, you know, there's everything from brand new green agent to a 40 year veteran or whatever it might be. So if you're talking to someone wherever they are on that map and, and they're going to get into prospect and get more in their pipeline, is there some advice that you would give as far as that goes when it goes to cold calling? I mean, anybody can, you know, get the referrals or they can go talk to whatever, but you know, right now as we talk about strictly cold calling, what, what would you say to that? Yeah, I think, so I was, I was taking this course and it was on, kind of high performance and managing you know, your time and performing at a high level. So I'm sitting on this thing and I was probably like eight years in the business at this point. And they go through this structure of like what your day should look like and how to make sure that you're maximizing your, your, your potential, your performance, all these things. And I literally got done the course. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, my first thought was like, one, these guys don't know what it's like in an insurance agency because I can't do that. That's not, you know, right. that, it's not true. And then I was just like, damn, like I got, I got to do some stuff. Like I got to change some things. And what was happening at that point was my book was 
it was it had grown. And so I was totally reactive. And I was literally like every day, it's like my, my day was like, I'd, gra- I'd grab my phone, I'd just look at my emails and I'd look at my, you know, uh, client, you know, the text, client calls, whatever. And that's how, kind of how to do my day. And it was like, if I have time to prospect, I'll prospect at the end of the day. And guess what? I never had any damn time. Right. And so going through that experience, it was like, okay, there's a way to perform at a high level. Well, the people that are doing it are taking control of their time. They're putting systems and processes in place to make sure that they can execute on those things. How do I do that? How do I apply it to the insurance industry? And specifically to cold calling for me, what I found worked was doing it first thing in the morning, literally blocking off the time where I don't even open my email to whatever time I picked. I, I tried some days I'd go till 11 a.m., 9 a.m., whatever it was, pick a time and I wouldn't check anything. And I would go in and I would just make the whatever it was, you know, 40 calls, 60 calls, whatever number I was at, you know, whatever point in my career. And I would do that first. And then I'd go about my day. Then I'd check my email and I'd deal with, you know, uh, any client issues, claim issues, whatever it was. But now at that point, I could go on and and really, you know, serve my clients at a high level and not have this stress, have this, you know, thing eating away at me that I didn't make the cold calls. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I, I think you're right, especially the time blocking part of it. And you talk about, you know, making sure you set aside the time because if you don't, you'll get wrapped up in everything else and you won't end up cold calling. It'll never happen. And so oh, I think that's solid. Never. And yeah. nobody you know, wants to wake up every morning and say, I can't wait to go cold call. I mean, I'm like you though. I do enjoy it. And that was one of the things I enjoyed doing. One of the things, and I'm going to refer a couple of different things on you know, your LinkedIn because I love your LinkedIn. If you haven't found <laughs> this guy, it's I OB, so. but it's A-U-B-E. Talking about prospecting. You talked about in Pretty Pretty Princess. <laughs> yes. And uh, I'd love for you to share a little bit about the, you said, hey, there's prospecting in here, I promise. So tell yeah. me a little bit about that. Well, for the record, I did kick their ass, or asses, <laughs> plural. <laughs> so, I love it. Pretty, pretty princess. I don't know if you've ever played, you've ever heard of it, but my, my daughter's too. And my wife's like, hey, I got a pretty, pretty princess. Let's try and play with her tonight. And I'm like, I don't know, really? Like, are we going to play pretty, pretty princess? Like, and so I wasn't that into it, but obviously I was, you know, I want to spend time with my wife, I want to spend time with my daughter. So I'm like, of course I'll play. Right. So we start playing and you know, the first game, I kind of get my bearings. I understand. I was some figure out how to roll. I'm like, all right, kind of like taking mental notes. And then literally I was sitting there, I think in the video you're referencing it. I literally had all this the shit on. I had the earrings, I had the necklace, I had the crown, I had the ring, but I had this mystery ring on and you can't win the game if you're wearing the damn mystery ring. Like it's like, not poison, but it just prevents you from winning. Somebody else has yeah. to have it. So, and I'm counting them. I'm like, what do you know? I'm like, two, four. I'm like, if you roll a two or four, you get the mystery ring. I went. She's like, dude, I'm playing with our two-year-old. Like, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, I'm telling you, I'm like, you're going to get, come on, two or four, two or four. And I'm like into it. And she rolled, a, I think it was a four. Gets the ring. I'm like, oh, I'm the champion. I won. And she's like, okay, let's let's play something now. She's all you know, pissed off. One, she lost, but also it's like, dude, this is supposed to be a game with your, your kids. <laughs> and um, so we had a good time. We we're laughing after. And later, I was thinking about, it, I'm like, what the hell happened? That like I was literally so competitive with this game with my wife and my two year old. It's stupid game. I mean, the the, the car. It's this little flimsy cardboard thing. And uh, I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> Why did that happen? And as I was looking at it, I literally, obviously it was a game, but I created a game within myself and I actually got competitive around it because I understand the rules. And it was, it was less about like, obviously I don't, didn't necessarily just want to beat my wife and daughter. It's like, I was just more into the game. And so I'm like, well, if I can do that with prospecting, if I can do that with my business and make each stage a game, it's going to take something that's not fun, right? Not that hanging out with my wife and daughter is not fun, but if I had a, I, right. my choice, pretty, pretty princess wouldn't be, you know, the ideal game we'd play. Um, and same with cold calling. Like, I love to cold call, but it's like, do I actually love to cold call? So how do I make this a game? How do I turn this into something fun so that when I'm in it and it sucks at times, 
I can actually still find a way to make it a good time and actually deliver on the results that I want, which is hitting the numbers, setting the meetings. Dude, that's money. And I think you can go beyond that as well in your agency to make it a game within your producers. If, you know, you got three producers or 10 producers, you know, make a little competition and do some incentives in there, do some programs in there to see. Yeah. Oh, dude, you have to. It reminds me, when I was out in San Diego, we worked with, uh, there's a producer team, there's like three other young guys. And that's exactly what we did. We play, basically played for beer. And there was a TGI Fridays of all places, like in the same parking lot as our insurance agency. <laughs> yeah. And so we'd go every Thursday and it was like $2, 20 ounce of beers, whatever, you know, Miller, yeah. Coors, whatever. And, um, so we, we start playing and it was like, okay, from Friday to Thursday, right? Um, yeah. Loser buys. And I won every week. And my buddy's like, dude, you got to be cheating. You got like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, no, you have no idea. I'm 22. I live, I literally have no money. I cannot afford, I literally right. cannot afford to lose. <clears throat> and they're like, dude, the beers are two bucks. I'm like, yeah, you don't get it. I'm like over here grinding. <laughs> and so this you, creating yeah, You're out working. You're out working. Yeah, because I had no choice. And um, and it wasn't even about the cold calls. It was, it was just like, Okay, I know that roughly if I hit this number, I should win. And so every day I just go out and hit that and, and move on. So, and it just so it you, took yeah, it. Yeah, that way you can make a game within yourself of, okay, last week I did, you know, I got four appointments. This week I'm going to hit six, you know, or I'm yeah. going to hit eight, or I'm going to hit 10. And uh, another thing, you know, producers listening to this, what Nick is telling you here and what we're talking about with incentivizing and have a little game about it. It's a great way. You got those producers in your office right now that have been in the business 20, 30, 40 years. And again, Experienced producers listen to this, you're going to hate me after this, but you know, uh, agency owners are frustrated because you got your feet kicked up or you're playing golf every Friday and every Thursday and Tuesday and whatever day ends and why. And your, <laughs> your agency principal is saying, you know, how can I get him, you know, back in the game a little bit, wanting to write more, gamify a little bit, you know, maybe, you know, hey, loser has to buy a round of golf for, you know, everybody, whatever it might be. Have some fun with it. Get those competitive juices flowing because a good producer, you know, you know, a good hunter, so to speak, they're going to want to win. Oh, absolutely. That's what it comes down to. At that point, it's less about even the insurance production. It's they want to win the game. And then that green producer is going to want to say, I can kick that old guy's rear end. You know, <laughs> there's no way that guy's better than me. I'm not going to let pops beat me or whatever right. it might be. I've seen it a hundred times. I think it works. I think it's really a, a good idea there for that. And so I love that post, you know, because I have two daughters. So pretty, pretty princess. It just spoke to me when I saw that. I was like, what so you is know. this dude talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. I can show you many of pictures. We're on video right now, but it's audio podcast. But anyway, I can show you pictures someday of me, all kinds of makeup and earrings and the crown, the whole nine. So I get it. But, you know, so once you get them in the door, you have the prospecting done. And, you know, that next phase, you know, obviously, you know, you got to take them through a journey. You know, what does that look like for you? Like, as you spent time with them and you've got them written. Did you have anything from there that set you apart, you know, a customer journey or an experience that you did or anything like that? So when, back to California, when I started out there, I went, um, I moved, I moved out there in January, like the first week of January, they're like, dude, perfect timing. We got this hot landscape market. And at that time in California, it was dominated by one carrier for like 15 years, yeah. maybe longer, 20 years, whatever. So like it's a brand new carrier starting this year. We're one of four brokers in the whole state with access to these guys and they can write anywhere in the West coast landscaping. So we just start pounding the phones and we're literally like selling this hot new program, right? Like, hey, just send it to us. We're not meeting with anybody. It's all, it's all, um, uh, what's sort of like uh, email, right? PDF stuff coming yeah. through. All the applications are coming through. We were at the time we were paperless, and so just everything's coming through. We're quoting it, and I built up like uh, at the time I didn't measure it in revenue. I was still green. I measured it in premium. It was a four point eight million dollar premium yeah. pipeline in the first quarter, and everything renewed between April first and April fifteenth. Just kind of the way the landscapers felt, might you know. Probably because they're getting ready for the summer. And so we're selling the same. It's like, it's going to be 40% less than your current carrier. Coverages are better. You know, we're going through the whole thing. Our agency has been around for whatever it is, 80 years, whatever. You know, give them the whole deal. Yeah. And um, we get the quotes in and it's like, oh, shit, they're only, you know, 20% less. Yeah. And go figure, the carrier 
that was going to lose all this business. They didn't just roll over. You know, they cut their right. prices by like, you know, 10%, 12%. So all in, we're like 8% less, let's say. And so we go yeah. back to these people after promising 40%. And, but but this is what's interesting. I didn't really think I was selling on price, right? I think that was a part. I thought that was a part of my sale. Yeah, of course, we're going to save you some money. But oh, look, you get me. I care about you. I'm, I'm here. I'm available. I, we've, the agencies are brought out. So we're selling all these other things. And um, dude, we got smoked. I absolutely smoked out of 4.8 million in premium. I wrote a thousand dollar bop. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. And I was, I, I was 22. It wasn't at the time. I'm like spending, I'm like, well, look, if, even if I hit 25% of these things, I'm spending some money that I didn't yet have another lesson I learned. And uh, so this thousand dollar bop, it's like April 14th, or something like that. I'm, and you know, the last day is the 15th of all these things. I'm like, I am closing this thing. So I drove 45 minutes. We were talking before Nissan Titans. I had a Nissan Titan at the time. Gas in California was like four seventy-five a gallon. I drove forty-five minutes one way to sign a damn application for a thousand-dollar bop. I'm like, I'm not going home empty-handed. Yeah. <laughs> so I come back. I mean, overall, I probably lost money on the deal just in gas. Uh, but what I learned from it was like, okay, we need a better process once we get them on the phone and and what we're taking them through because that's not going to work. And I don't want to build my career based off that because that one, it wasn't fun. It wasn't comfortable Two, Is it how it's going to be every year? And so you talk to some guys that have been in the industry a while. They're like, yeah, dude, that's just what it is. I'm like, no, <laughs> not for me. And uh, so I started studying the BOR and that's the process that we really implemented. Once people came in the cold call or excuse me, once people came in from a cold call or whatever it was, referral uh, prospects, the word I was looking for. Once the prospect came in the door, it's like, okay, what's our process? And uh, with that group of guys, we really started studying diving into the yeah. BOR. What does that look like? And how do we position that so that we can sell differently, stand out and actually build this book, um, you know, in, in a sustainable way that we're not going to lose stuff out the door every every year because people are quoting it. Yeah, I love what you said there. And I, and I love, again, going back to another post of yours, when you were talking about in your early days, you got my cell phone, I'm 24-7, our <laughs> agency's been around 80 years, we're awesome. And, you, yeah. you know, you were trying to go that way, be your guy kind of person. And then Good, you start yeah. to realize I got to bring value. You know, yes. I've got to bring more than just price and 24 seven availability and all that kind of stuff. And so finding the BOR for you was kind of the game changer. We built up enough value and we show them the value and we sell on the value of why they should be with this firm. And obviously I didn't get the job. He told me it should be an underwriter <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't understand it. And so that's when I went to the other place I was at. Then went, okay, now I get what that guy's talking about. And how do I now build up my value so that I can position myself to ask for that? You know, ask them to, to essentially you know, hire me as their broker is what we were looking to do. And I love that you're such a good storyteller in the way you, you go through your life. And I've seen it, you know, after we've talked several times now, and I've seen it on LinkedIn and you tell some great stories there. And I, and I love that you learn from some of those mistakes that you've made and you learn from some of those things, because again, you could have just kept beating your head against the wall over and over and over for the next 12 years and not understood the BOR or not understood this or that and, you know, stuck with the, I'm your guy, call me 24-7, that kind of guy. and been like every other insurance agent in the sea of sameness. Right. But <laughs> you decided, no, I've got to learn some new things. i got to up my game. i got to do some different things here. Again, learning from mistakes. And I think that's what a lot of producers aren't willing to do. They just, this is the way it's always been done. This is the way we're going to continue to do it. But again, I think it's uh, fabulous. And I think it's awesome. And I think what I've never done on this show, and I'd love to, if you'd be willing to do that, you know, uh, we don't talk about mistakes a lot. A lot of people just want to talk and they want to brag and have that bravado. You got sure. another mistake story you could share with me? Oh, I got thousands. 
I'm going to put yeah, you on no, the spot got, for a minute. Give me one. Like three days before, I'm going to my brother-in-law's bachelor party. And uh, my dad gives me book, the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know if you ever heard that. Yeah, or, yeah. If you heard the books, yeah. And now at this time, dude, I didn't read. I did not read. I literally thought from high school, To Kill a Mockingbird. I thought it was called How to Kill a Mockingbird. Like this how-to guide. Like, I, I, thought, I thought it was Tequila <laughs> Mockingbird for the hey, longest time. That would work, too. I think you and I might have some fun reading that book together. Right. Uh, do a little book club. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad gives me this book and I'm like, he's like, dude, I didn't, he's like, I don't know. I didn't really like it, but I think it'd be a fit for what you're trying to do. And it seems like it'd be kind of up your alley. And I'm like, dad, I don't, you know, I don't know why you're giving this to me. I'm literally going to a bachelor party in two days. Like I'm not going to be reading a book. And uh, he's like, just take it, just take it. So my plan was, I'm like, I'll get on the flight. I'll, I'll read probably 10 pages. It's going to bore the shit out of me. And then I'll just order beers and we'll just go to this bachelor party. And literally, I couldn't put it down. I read the entire thing on the flight from uh, Boston to uh, to Denver. And it, I'm like, it's it's crazy. So in the, and if you haven't read the book, it's about like real estate investing and just a different way to think about business and position different things. And um, so I'm calling my wife and one of the things he, he mentions is uh, your primary house and it's, you know, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but it's like, it's not really a real estate investment. You know, real estate investments produce passive income. And so I start going down this thing. I'm like, sending my wife, I'm like, we got to sell our house. And she's like, dude, can you just go enjoy the bachelor party? I'm like, no, I can't. And there wasn't like enough alcohol in the city of Denver for me to like calm down. I couldn't like calm right down. I'm like, I just want to go get to work on this stuff. And went back, read it. My wife read it. And we ultimately decided to sell our house. We said, let's sell our house. Let's really focus and commit to real estate investing. And um, in addition to what we're doing with the insurance business. And at that time, I, I'd kind of gotten a little stagnant in the insurance business. Like I, in my book, my whole goal, like I said before, was like, I want to be comfortable by the time I was 30. And like, at that time, we were living in a house in the suburbs, had a country club membership, had an expense account. Like life was pretty good. And I was turning into that producer a little bit that you referenced before. Like, dude, did you just sell? Like, what are you doing? You're just, you know, hanging out. And um, anyway, so I read this book and it kind of reignited like my vision of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And it helped me actually produce better, even though I was focused on real estate and kind of creating this, this real estate investment company. I'm like, well, now I could see the production that ties directly to that vision, that goal of, of building out this real estate piece. And that was, I think, the biggest takeaway for me was like two parts. One is actually getting new information. At that point, like I said, I didn't read anything. I was just so focused on like produce, produce, produce. I was kind of getting a little burnt out. And then on top of that, connecting your vision and where you want to go with the production, it like unlocked this new, like I had this new energy. It's like I was starting out again. And then I'd been in the business like seven years at that point, all because I reconnected with, you know, you know and, and, and aligned with where I was trying to get. Dude, I love it. And again, you know, growing learning. And, and again, it sounds like uh, you're a little stubborn there. You didn't want to play pretty, pretty princess and you learn about <laughs> prospecting. You yeah. didn't want to read, you know, this book and you learned something from it. You didn't want to do the BOR the BO and you ended up, you know, learning about the BOR and growing your business to living in the country club and in the burbs. Sounds like uh, you got a little stubborn issue. Dude, I might. I never thought about that before. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you maybe pointing out a blind spot in me. <laughs> One of the things that uh, that I've really you know enjoyed about you know you is just your authenticity, man. Um, as, as I see you, and guys, if you haven't, again, I'll tell you again, go find this dude on LinkedIn or any social platform. I don't know. I just see you on LinkedIn a lot, and you just put such you know real out there. It's not not fake. It's you know, and you'll you're not afraid to be who you really are. And like, again, some people are, you know, shy away from maybe saying a swear word or two or saying how you really feel. And some of your videos, man, they're just raw and, and real. And so where does that come from in you? Is that something that you've always been that way? Or you just decided, 
you know what? This is me. I'm going to be me. What, what's the deal there? Talk to me. Yeah, dude. I think, I think it's always been who I am. You know, I think for a long time I struggled with showing that and kind of letting my guard down. And even now there's times where, you know, I still struggle with that. You know, you post something on LinkedIn and it's like, well, how's it going to do? Is it going to perform? It's like, and we're t- and you're trying to get away from that, right? It's like the action is, Hey, we're going to post on LinkedIn. This is important in the business. We're going to do it. We're going to move on. You know, that's if I was a complete robot and just didn't have any, you know, any feelings, any emotions, but obviously those things creep in. And, um, you know, it's something that, you know, I, I think I got to a point where it was probably back in like 2019. I'm like, I wanted to start doing videos. Um, and the agency I was at, the owners, they really encouraged me. Like, again, I was stubborn. They're like, dude, you got to do videos. You got to do videos. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to cold call. They're like, you got to get on social media. And they really, really pushed me for like two or three months. And um, I finally started doing them. And it was all risk, um, like risk management advice. It was like no commercial for the agency. It was just straight up like, here's how you should structure your policy. Here's how you should do this. Here's how you should do that. But I, and a lot of times I felt like I couldn't be myself because it was somebody else's brand of somebody else's company. I had clients that maybe, um, you know, I did or did not want to piss off. You know, it was just like, I was, I was really trying to keep it like PC and clean and not that I'm, you know, rude or vulgar or anything like that, but like, I just felt like I was very buttoned up. You know, I'd wear, some of them I'd wear suit and tie. And, um, anyway, so this time around, I'm like, okay, okay. I started this company. I'm getting on social media. Like I'm done with that. Like, I just want to say what I'm thinking, what I feel and, um, and be able to do it in a way that, you know, feels like it's me. Cause I think over time with those other videos, I just lost sight of who I was. I literally would have a script that I'd kind of type ahead of time. It's like, just stick to the script. Don't say anything stupid. Don't swear. Don't <laughs> you know, just, just focus on the script, get through the 60 second video and then move on. And, um, and now I'm like, I just, I just kind of want to tell stories about what I've done and the experience I've had and, and how, how that's impacted me. And hopefully it helps somebody else. And I think when I looked back to how I was learning and getting information, once I actually started and got over the stubbornness <laughs> to, to actually do it, it was the people that were just honest and real. And so I'm like, I want to go out and try and create that. I think last, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, depending on when this airs, I was do, doing a panel discussion, you know, at, a, at an agency conference. And one of the questions did come up about video content and about you know how to do that and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I think the question was leading down the rabbit hole of you know talking about editing and all this kind of stuff. And my immediate response was, "Don't," because some people can over edit. They can be too polished. They can be too scripted, mm-hmm. and it could be a turnoff. You know, and they try to make it this perfect video. And I'm like, who cares? You know, and I'm one of these people, you know, if you, if you want to go find any of my videos out there, I, at least once or twice a month, I'll post my blooper reels or my outtakes because I screw up a lot and they're pretty damn funny. And at least to me anyway, so I'm at least (laughs) do it for me and to show other people, you don't have to be perfect, you know, and your videos shouldn't be. And if you're spending more than, you know, an hour or two on your videos, unless it's an hour video, but if it's like a five minute video and you're spending hours trying to get that out there, you've wasted a ton of time in your day. And again, you could be prospecting, you could be cold calling, you could be writing new business. And so again, what it sounds like to me is you might be in agreement with that. Maybe you can add to that. Any other advice you might, if you were on that panel and someone asked you the same question, what would you say about advice for video content? Yeah, I mean, I think I would agree with kind of what we're, we're chatting about here. It's like, just be real, be authentic, be you. And I think for a, a long time, I maybe the word is like vanilla. Like I was like, well, I can't piss anybody off was my strategy. Switzerland. Because, yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, well, some of my clients are nonprofits and some of my clients are, you know, 
20 plus million dollar revenue operations. And so, yeah. so I, I kind of had this idea of like, oh, I just need to, you know, I, I don't want to make anybody angry. And I just, I just want to do my thing and you know, do, do that. And by doing that, what I learned, uh, you know, hiring coaches and mentors and going through some training on it was like, well, now you're actually speaking to nobody, right? Because nobody's going to pay attention because you're not speaking to nonprofits and you're not speaking to the $20 million revenue piece. So for me, it was like figuring out like, who do I want to talk to? Who do like, who am I speaking to? And if it pisses other people off, that's okay. But I'm speaking to that group. And a lot of times I actually imagine myself, imagine myself speaking to myself. Is that good English? I think. I don't think so, but I'm in Arkansas, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if good English is, is proper English. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a mid-roll ad and it's summertime. It's conference season. It's convention time. It's time to get out and about. You might take your shirt off a little bit more. You might be out and about with your friends at the lake or at the ocean or at the beach or wherever you're at. You want to make sure you're looking your best. Let me start off with those nose hairs. You want to make sure you don't have nose hairs hanging out when you're talking to your clients, when you're talking to your prospects. You want to make sure those ear hairs are looking great. Your beard has got to be right and tight. You got to make sure your lines are right. It's the same length. You got the Beard Hedger Pro. We've got the Weed Whacker to take care of all of those things. But then also, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget about the lawnmower 4.0. Sounds like what it is. You got to take care of all of that kind of stuff as well. And uh, it's that time, whether you're male or female, you got to take care of all of that manscaping. And you want to go to manscape.com. And just for listening to this episode of me and Nick, you get 20% off. And wait, there's more. You also get free shipping, ladies and gentlemen, free shipping on all the products that they send to your door. That's a game changer right there. So again, manscaped.com. Scroll to the bottom when you get to check out. Hit the discount code MAYOR. 20% off, free shipping. You don't want to miss out on that. Also, let me talk to you about my good friends over at Canopy Connect, your one-click solution. You're getting all those deck pages you need to quote your prospect. You know, you're going to be able to avoid having to ask those crazy questions or go through your quote sheet or all of those kind of things, incorporate into your experience for the client or the prospect using Canopy. Because what you can do is send a link, they click it, you get deck pages right in your dashboard. You can create customizable links for your referral partners. Anything like that you want to do, go to usecanopy.com backslash Heath. That's right. Another discount for you. Backslash Heath. Get you a discount. Get you a demo. You can watch a a phenomenal video with yours truly. You got to go check out Canopy Connect. Use canopy.com. Now let's get back to the show. And so I'm like talking to myself. It's gooder. Don't worry about it. It's real good. I think I got a, uh, probably explains like the D I got in level four English. (laughs) How to kill a mockingbird and all that stuff. Anyway. (laughs) So um, I'll never forget that teacher. Anyway, she, um, no. So where was it going? The, the video. So I'm actually, a lot of times I'll talk to myself like five years ago, like what would I need to hear five yeah, years ago and how would I respond? And go. that's helped me. And then the other target that I've got, I, I'm still not nailing it every day, but typically what I'll do is I'll come in, I'll record uh, the video right away. Back to what we we're chatting about before, like before distractions hit and all that stuff. And my target right now is like literally record it once. And if I you fumble through a word or what, just keep going. Because in the past, when I first started doing videos, it would take me two, three hours to record one. Because I'm like, well... I got you know 45 seconds in and I stumbled over that word. So I'm going to reshoot it. And it just would go over and over. So now that's my target is just shoot it once, whatever it is. And then my wife is, uh, she does the editing. So 
send it to her and whatever happens, happens. And the other last piece on it, not posting it the same day removes some of the emotion for me. Because in the beginning, I would record and I would post it that day. And I would think I was more, um, I, I was trying to get it perfect because I literally had to click post that day. Whereas now I've got this kind of pool of videos. And so when I'm posting, it's like, okay, whatever. There's like 30 of them. Let me just pick that one. That one looks good and I'll put it on there. So that helps yeah. me as well. Yeah, that's good advice because I'm in that same boat sometimes. I'm like, oh, I got to get content out today. So let me, right. and then I'm like, oh, and then like you said, but I, I like the other advice of just continue. And I, I do my own editing and I, I can just edit it real quick or I'll just write a little mental note down of it. 45 seconds in, I, I fumbled. Then I'll go back in and fix it. But especially if it's like a long video or if I'm five minutes in, I'm not going to stop. You know, but no, I think that's good. And then having a a library built up, I think it's good too. And so again, relating this to agency owners that are listening or producers or CSRs or marketing reps or carriers, whatever it might be, maybe have some of your staff help you build a backlog of videos so that you can not be in that situation. So maybe you challenge your, your producers in your agency. Cause I, I, I'm a firm believer in if you're the agency owner, you should not be the only one putting out content on your channel. You should have your producers help, your CSRs. Let them see other faces in the agency. But that's a sidebar conversation. But yeah, sure. have them help you build up the content library. No, I totally agree. And on that note, in the beginning, I'm like, well, how do I get ahead? I'm like, I don't have a content library, but I need to post tomorrow. So I literally was like, all right, I'm going to just wait three weeks. And I'm going to keep recording. But then I'm going to actually start posting in three weeks so I can build up that that content. Because before I was with you, it's like, I need to post today. What should I record? And I'd walk outside and you know, say something and, and put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I got I to gotta have you tell one more quick story. And then we're going to get into a little bit of other things here. So my favorite video that you've posted. Again, <laughs> find this guy. Uh, you already know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, <laughs> jump into this story real quick. Um you know, give me a couple minutes on this and let the the audience hear this because I think this is a fabulous story. And then you can obviously relate it like you did your posts. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny. We were just talking social media. We were just talking like, you know, being authentic and posting stuff. Right, 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 right. So this is this post I, I did and I'm just like said to my wife, I'm like, well, we'll see. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'm like, screw it. I'm putting it out there. So we are... Um, my wife and I are on like a couple's trip in Barbados. There's four couples told, right? So eight of us. And we get there that night. We're hanging out and we we go out for dinner, whatever, drinks. But the way it was set up, the Airbnb, like we, we weren't near anything. So we had to take like the public bus in Barbados. So none of us knew what the hell we were doing, where we're going. And uh, I did not plan the trip. I was not in charge of logistics. It was literally a logistical nightmare. I'm like, it's, we couldn't be further away from like the, you know, the stuff. Like, what the hell are we doing? And so we get to this bus stop. It's probably like I don't know, after midnight. We had a couple, you know, a couple of drinks, a couple of beers, whatever. And this guy is screaming at his buddy, screaming out. He's like, they'll let you smoke on the plane, cocksucker. They'll let you smoke on the plane, cocksucker. And we're like, what the, what the hell is going on? And we kind of start looking around. I'm like, yo, could you, could you smoke on your, your flight? No. I couldn't smoke on my flight. We're confused. Like, did they change the rules? So we get back home to the Airbnb. We didn't say much to do. We're not going to get, you know, midnight. We're not going to confront this guy. So actually, dude, did you know you're not allowed to smoke on planes? Like, we're just not going to get into this guy. Right. Get back to the Airbnb. And we all start kind of laughing. And then, you know, we fly home. We're like, let's just confirm, like, on the flight home. Can we smoke? So we're asking, hey, can we smoke on the plane? No, you can't smoke. Okay. (laughs) You haven't been able to smoke on planes in forever. Got it. And I totally wrote this guy off as, like, just an idiot, right? And his friend believed him. He maybe he'd never been on a plane. I don't know, but they're like, oh, cool. Right. And so it wasn't until years later when I realized like, 
I was that dude in so many areas of my life. Like I didn't get new information. I didn't stay up to date with stuff. And so as somebody who knew something about whatever I was rambling about to them, I looked just like that jackass saying I could smoke on a plane. And so for me, it really clicked. I'm like, wow, that dude, he wasn't necessarily dumb or an idiot or whatever, you know, whatever it was. He just, the information he had got out of date and he was still peddling the same thing from 30 years ago when he could smoke on planes. And so it was super, you know, kind of important to me at that point to go, okay, I don't want to be that dude. So I need to constantly get new information and stay ahead of things and stay ahead of the curve and figure out where, where stuff's going so that I don't sound like that guy. Um, and up until that point we talked about, I was stubborn before I didn't want to read. So I wasn't willing to do that. Um, and anyway, it was just, it was, it was crazy. Cause for like six, seven years, I just thought he was an idiot. And realized, you know, that's a great, again, something like that. Like I would have never tried to get a life lesson from that kind of story. But I, I love that, you know, you, you're always looking, it seems like anyway, from the five or six times we've talked that you are one of those people that are looking for a life lesson in almost everything. And so that's super cool. So again, fast forwarding on your journey, cause it's already almost been an hour. Dagummit. And so talk to me about where you, where you're at now. Okay. So you're not a producer anymore now. And yep. so tell me, tell me what you're doing now a little bit. So, yeah, so I was at the agency I was at for about 10 years, left in the fall, sold my book back to them. And I was actually on a coaching call myself because I went, I'm like, went, I'm extreme, I guess. To me, I said to my wife one time, I'm like, there's no middle ground. There's no gray. It's like, you know, one or the other. So I went from like getting nothing, no new information, anything. So now I'm like, I've got a coach. I'm in communities. I'm taking courses, like going to events, all this stuff. I'm in mastermind groups. And so I'm sitting on this coaching call and I'm kind of like, honestly, I'm like kind of like bitching and complaining to the, the coach. He's, I'm like paying him. And I'm like, I don't know, man, you guys, I go, I've got this great model. I got this great process of how these people can, you know, manage their premium, negotiate the renewals, find the right broker. And they're, they don't care. They're not interested. And he's like, well, dude, of course they're not interested. Nobody wants to deal with insurance, like on the consumer level. They just, they have a guy that they, you know, they, they work with. And um, I'm like, yeah, but dude, they got to know this way. They got to know this way. He's like, you know who would really care about this new way and this model and everything that you're building? I'm like, who? He's like, insurance producers, people that their income is dependent upon actually <laughs> finding an innovative right. way. And so I'm like, finally, I'm like, okay, dude, I'll give it a try. So for about three weeks, I ran both kind of, you know, back to cold call, right? Like offers kind of simultaneously. I was testing both. And um, the response, the immediate response on just the conversation level was like 10 times. Like I'd get one appointment with a, a direct consulting company and I'd get like 10 producers that just, you know, they wanted to talk. Hey, what are you doing? Tell me about this stuff. And so that's where finally I said, look, all right, I'm going all in on this. This is where I want to be. Um, and on top of that, I was having way more fun, right? Cause now the, the producers, we can actually go back and forth. We can have a conversation and they're interested. Whereas the, the actual client was like, dude, I don't care. Like, just tell me what I need to do to lower my premium. Whereas with the producer, we can actually have these conversations and strategize right. and, um, and talk through it. So that's how I ended up doing that. And then I spent some time testing out exactly how I wanted to deliver it, what it looked like and kind of building out that piece. But when all in, on that, that coaching side. So what I love that you're doing that. I mean, I, I love coaching producers. You know, there's enough business to go around. I love, you know, talking to other people yeah. that love to coach producers. And so, you know, and, and you and I have talked about this before. And so when I, when I talked to you about this and I wanted to know even today, like, what is your, what's your angle there? So like if a producer's listening right now or principal or CSR, or whoever's listening, like, why would I hire Nick Obi? Uh, what's, what's he going to do? So what, what is your approach there uh, that's significant? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that we're looking at. One is the BOR piece, right? That's To me, that's super important. And there's a lot of reasons why I like fell in love with the BOR. One was it allowed you to create a lot more opportunities right? because now I'm not wasting time quoting 
you know, and, and just wasting time on somebody that's maybe just going to go back to their broker, you know, and, and use me as, you know, a, a part of their scheme to lower their price. But um, so yeah, I, I get to spend more time actually going back to prospecting, right? Whatever you choose, if it's cold calling, if it's door knocking, email, whatever, you can create more time doing something that, doing something that you're good at and that leads to business. You know, it, it's a, um, it's a positive result there. So take a look at that. And then um, we take them through that and really help them get confident. And what I learned about the BOR was you, each producer has to almost decide how they want to use it. So when I first started using the BOR, it was like, in the beginning, I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to only BOR everything. And then I'd go to these meetings and it'd be like, you know, 20,000 in revenue. Like, we're not going to BOR it to you. And I'd be like, okay, you want me to quote it? And they're like, you just said you only BOR. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but come on, I'll, I'll quote this. And so then there was this conflict that like started coming up with me because I'd be sitting with a prospect. I'm like, I only BOR. But then the back of my mind, I knew that was kind of like lying a little bit because I'm like, well, unless you push me hard enough, then I'll go quote you type deal. And so understanding what the BOR was like, how do I want to operate? And how, what am I going to stick to? And that's how I started to build some confidence around it because I had kind of a game plan for how I was going to sell on BOR and I would stick to it every time. So for me, it was, I won't quote anybody. The only way I'll quote you is if I don't have that market. Well, I don't, well it also goes back to disqualifying them. And a lot of times yeah. you're going to have people in a BOR situation that they're not into that. And if you lay out your process, lay out your plan, and I don't want to do that, you got to be able to walk away and say, okay, it's not a good fit and move yes. on. Anyway, keep going. It, no, me. I was going to say, dude, and you're spot on because it's easy to walk away on the smaller revenue. The ones that I found it was hard to walk away with the big revenue ones, like, oh, damn. And especially when you know you got a market that could maybe compete. And so I learned that the hard way uh, several times. And so, but, but the bigger point was I found that I was losing confidence in the BOR sale because I didn't have a game plan of how I was executing it. And so creating that vision of like, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to operate. That allowed me to stick to it more and then create confidence because I knew what to do in each situation. Um, so anyway, we focus on that. We focus on you know high performance. You know, that story I was telling you about of like where I literally went through that course and was like, okay, this, this guy doesn't get insurance. I tested all that stuff out. How do I apply it to the insurance industry? How do I make this work? Knowing that we have to be reactive, right? We have to be able to answer our clients' phone calls. We can't just you know, block off the whole day for prospecting. Um, and then the biggest thing for me in my career, looking back was like, I couldn't keep my head in the game. Like I had like, like I was like up and down, like I would have great years, great quarters and then I, I wouldn't produce as well. And so, um, really understanding kind of like that production mindset and how to execute on that. So that I could keep my head in the game, perform at a high level was critical. So those are the three areas that we kind of coach on. Yeah. sounds like you're coaching a lot of processes on like consistency and just, you know, accountability and, and helping them to do that, you know, uh, that in a procedural manner, day in, day out, following your processes. And I like, you know, producer systems. Yeah. I'd say agencies that have, you know, producer teams and they're, you know, they're trying to figure out the BOR thing. They're not necessarily sure, uh, you know, not not how to manage them, but maybe the agency owner doesn't have time or they're, they're trying to learn new information yeah. Yeah. and um, you know, kind of learn these new systems and processes and really have that um, that kind of guide around that and the accountability piece behind it, too. So basically any agency with um, with with producer teams, I'd say anywhere from like two to 12 producers in that range. Um, yeah, obviously, we can do less, we can do more, but that seems to be kind of the sweet spot. And um, yeah, just really focused, I think, on new business and new information on how to do it, how to do it more efficiently, how to do it in a way that creates more opportunities, allows them to write more new business, and also do it in a kind of sustainable, peaceful way where like 
their book's not eating them alive in, in three years. Yeah, no, I like that. So how could they contact you? Do you have a website? Do you have, or you want to find you on LinkedIn? What What's the, the way to contact you? Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I, I appreciate you promoting that throughout the show. <laughs> so you can get me there. Um, I've got a website producer.systems. Uh, so you can go there, contact info is there. You can schedule time to chat. Um, all that's kind of set up there. Awesome. So um, could you share your email address with them if they wanted to reach out to you yeah. there? Or you want to keep yeah. That private? No, no, I'll share it. Nick, Nick at, uh, nothing's private anymore. <laughs> right. You can find anything. So it's, uh, yeah, Nick at producer.systems. I got it. Perfect. So if you were to say, I think the biggest thing is define the vision of where you want to go, whether it's business, both business and personal, and then constantly update that and evolve that and tie that to production. Because for me, I look back at my career, when I got complacent, when I got pissed off, stressed, whatever it was, it's because I lost sight of the vision of where I was trying to go. When I had that vision you know, dialed in and I was focused on it, it made producing was fun. It was exciting. That's why cold calling was fun because it's like, okay, this is connected to something bigger than just going out and, yeah. and trying to set meetings. And so if you don't have that vision or you've lost sight of it, then I would, I, that's where I would start is just rework that vision of how, how do you want to show up and, and expand it to different areas? How do you want to operate as a producer? How do you want to show up as you know, a dad, as a husband? How do you want to show up you know, uh, in client meetings and just go through that thing and really map out who do you need to be and who do you, or really who do you want to be? And then you can back into like, well, who do I need to be to make, make that happen? And then what yeah. do I need to do to make that happen? And I, I did it by accident a lot of times throughout my career. <laughs> and it wasn't very intentional. And then when I didn't do it, it was very obvious. You look back at the results, you're like, okay, that's what was going on there. Uh, that's why I couldn't produce. That's why I couldn't get out of my own way. Dude, I love it. Man, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad that we met, what, however long ago that was, in January, February at the yeah. City World Tour. Uh, it was good to meet you and finally you know, connect. And uh, I'm glad that we've become friends. And so I appreciate you coming on, hanging out with us. And love to have you on again sometime. But I uh, hope you have a great week, a uh, great day. Dude, I just appreciate you. Dude, I appreciate you having me on. I'd love to come back. It was a ton of fun, you know, hanging out and just talking uh, talking shop with you. Yeah, I'm glad that the citizens of Insurance Town got to eavesdrop a little bit on us. So, dude, Absolutely. Thanks, thanks, bro. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with me and Nick in the show today. What a great time that we had. I enjoyed our conversation so much, and I really hope that you did too. Nick's a great storyteller. He's got it going on on LinkedIn right now, and uh, I just – Really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did too. If you've got an idea for a guest, reach out to me, Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. A lot of uh, a lot of cool guests coming out, uh, a lot of fun stuff going on, a lot of big changes in the mayor's life that you'll hear about pretty soon. And uh, I just, I can't wait for you uh, to see what's coming up. I can't wait to hear from you. I love getting into the mailbag. And uh, guys, uh, I would love for you to go and subscribe, whether it's uh, on Apple or wherever you can subscribe to podcast, I want you to go and subscribe so that you don't miss out on anything out there. Guys, uh, while you're there, give me a little note. Tell me what you think about the show. Uh, hit me with the five star and then tell me, hey, you know, it was great. Um, loved it. Whatever it might be. I would love to hear from you. That's just going to help me to rise up the ranks there. Also, if you've got an idea for your own show, go to GetReadySetPodcast.com. Ready, Set Podcast, turning your idea into reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.